0: Well, good morning, everyone. We are starting a brand new series today entitled Unlearning Religion. And uh, there is so many complicated things that kind of get twisted together and, and and drawn together when you talk about religion, right? the The old phrase is you don't talk about politics and religion. Why? Because it's going to get somebody fired up. And a lot of times, uh, religion gets tossed in to all kinds of discussions and debates, and you have to really think, is that really what the Bible intended? Is that really what Jesus intended for us? So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take some time to try to unlearn religion. And today we're going to talk about unlearning hypocrisy. And we're going to work on that. Um, And we're actually, it's going to be part one today. And we're going to start part two um, next time. You know, sometimes we see the things that we know right now, and we see kind of how the world is now, and we kind of assume, sometimes even unintentionally, that it was always like this. Right now, maybe sometimes when you hear the word church or religion, there's images that pop into your head immediately. Maybe you think about like, you know, kind of just like an, uh, a, a steeple and a church and a building and pews and some of these things. And those are images that pop into our mind immediately. And, and sometimes it's hard to uh, figure out or learn or understand what was the original intent of all of this in the beginning. Or, and what is like the cultural trends that have kind of made it the way it is. And that is a difficult thing to discern. And sometimes we, we look at things as they are now, and we don't realize where they came from or what, what, where it started. Um, does anybody know what this is a picture of? Right here. Take a look. Anybody know what car this is? This is the 2019 Lamborghini Cyan. Anybody have one of those? Uh, Anybody have? uh, We have a couple of them uh, around here. I'm putting it out there because we have, I I saw this week on Facebook, we have a little over, we have like, 95 days until Christmas. That gives you time to plan for me personally. I've always been a Lambo guy. You know, uh, Ferrari, Porsche are fine, but I'm more of a Lambo guy. I've always been a fan of the Lamborghini. So if anybody's thinking of something, you got 90 days to put that together. But this is the new Lamborghini Siam, which is actually a hybrid car. It goes 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Okay, 2.8 seconds. That's kind of like you're just driving and you push it and you're there. You're at 60, 60 miles an hour. It goes uh, in excess of 217 miles per hour. I don't know why you would need to do that, but if you did, you would spend quite a bit of time in jail if they ever caught you. They probably never would. But 217 miles an hour and um, it is uh, – this is the part that makes the Lamborghinis – Unbelievable. Are you ready? Look at this picture. This is the interior. I mean, like, that is just like, that is what an interior of a car should look like. You know, if I had a car that looked like that, I would just, I would just like sleep in it and I would just like hang out in it uh, all the time. I mean, unbelievable, right? Doesn't is that, doesn't that, isn't that awesome? Uh, great car, Lambo uh, is an incredible like picture of really. If you've ever seen a Lamborghini in person, you're like, this is an otherworld crazy thing. It's like this high to the ground, and the you know, it's just it's just something like super exotic, super over the top, and you're like, this is the picture of like uh, uh, incredible engineering, but incredible excess, incredible, unbelievable, like. Uh, Uh, vehicle that the Lamborghini is. But this is something you may not know about Lamborghini, that in 1948, this was one of the original Lamborghinis right here. That is one of the original Lamborghinis because the owner of Lamborghini, the the maker, Mr. Lamborghini, I forget his name, but like uh, he was a tractor builder. He built tractors, and in ni- from 1948 to 1973, that's all they built. Is they built tractors? Okay, this does not have the same like the same emotional appeal as the other one does. The interior is not like two tone leather or anything, and I do not believe it can get to 60 in 2.8 seconds. It is. I mean, that you look at that and you're like, that's a Lamborghini, but that is originally what a Lamborghini is right there. But over the years, now we have this different picture and this different image of what a Lamborghini is. I, I like the modern version, <laughs> personally. But what happ- this happens in lots of things in life. Lots of times in life, you only see the picture of how it exists now, and maybe there's lots of history that went in. There's lots of lots of other things that took place to get to this point. And, you know, religion is one of those things that kind of gets tied into knots and tangled up with all kinds of other things. And people co-opt it and people grab it and people like talk about it. And all of a sudden, over the course of time, it's hard to discern what the original point of it was. And that's what we're talking about in this series. And it's interesting that, like, now we have these concepts, debates, and pictures of religion. But one thing that is really true is Jesus was not a fan of religion. Did you know that? Jesus was not a fan. Jesus was not uh, a big fan of religion, and let me explain and kind of define what I mean by religion in saying that. I'm not. Uh, is that religion is kind of that man made bureaucracy that surrounds faith. It is kind of those man-made structures that emerge around it. And it's not all wrong. It's not all bad. It's just what we do sometimes, right? It's just what we do around things is we, we, we build up our structures. We build up our systems. We build up our traditions over the course of time and years. And then sometimes you, you had something that looked like a tractor and now it's a sports car. And you're like, how did it get here? And so you, it's really difficult to kind of untangle that and look back and, and, and realize what was the original intent. And so we're going to try to think about unlearning religion over the course of the next few weeks. And, and, and the goal is not to just demean or, or uh, trash traditions and history and culture and things that have emerged over time. Some of those are very valid and meaningful and sentimental. And that's, there's some value in those things. However, sometimes we need to say, this is not the point. And we need to get back to the basics and we need to realize what authentic faith is really about and what it really means. So we're going to start with a story where Jesus kind of demonstrates with his, you know, kind of full throated furor. I like that. What do you think? Uh, that, that's what Jesus had kind of his full anger and rage pointed to. People who were very, very religious. Meaning they had built lots and lots of structures around authentic faith, and many times it was harmful to people. And Jesus, Jesus was very clear and very pointed to the group of people, the Pharisees and Sadducees in the scripture, that were really put all kinds of bureaucratic structures or systems in place that really pushed people away from God instead of closer to God. And we need to look at that and learn, because we do that in our time and our culture too. And sometimes maybe we do that. And sometimes if we get too caught up in that stuff... We don't even really know what this is all about. And how sad would it be if we missed God because of religion? Wouldn't that be sad? If we missed an authentic relationship with God because religion got in the way. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to read the entire chapter of the next two weeks. But we're going to read... The first half of it this week. So I'm going to kind of go through it and we're going to stop as we go to kind of talk about it and try to untangle uh, religion as we go along. But these are warnings that Jesus gives about hypocrisy. So Jesus says this in verse 1. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do what they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Um, You've heard that phrase before. Maybe you didn't know that it was Jesus that said that. They don't practice what they preach. And it's interesting what it's saying here. And let me just explain. He's saying these are the people who have authority, who are leaders and are in a position of authority over you. And so you have to follow them because they're kind of in charge. But Jesus is saying, don't. Don't follow in their ways. Verse 4. They tie, uh, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And so this is kind of the first thing. He kind of phrases what he's going to talk about here and what he's going to get into. Where he's like, first of all, you have to practice what you preach. That is just a simple, get-back-to-the-basics, practical advice, right? First of all, when we're talking about religion or faith, when we're talking about faith, first things first is, you know what? If there's something that has compelled you and you have come to understand about God, if God has spoken to you and done some things and you've, you've learned stuff about God, well, then you better first put it into practice. You better start living that out. You better tar- start taking steps towards that instead of just kind of starting to lecture everybody about it. Isn't that one of the most aggravating things that we, that, that we have in our culture sometimes is people that want to like lecture us about things, but it doesn't seem as though they're doing what they say? We could get into some politics right now, I think. Um, but... Uh, but... We're not going to talk about politics. We're just going to talk about religion today. Um, But isn't it aggravating when you hear like kind of a lecture from somebody about like what you should be doing in your life. And you don't seem to see or they don't seem to see the glaring holes or weaknesses in their own life. It's one of the most aggravating things that exist. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, first things first. Let's start with this. Practice what you preach. Faith should be something that is not theoretical. Faith should not be something that is a list of, of rules and practices and a big list of do's and don'ts that we, we yell at and we, we tell everybody about and we don't live. We should live first. It should be something that is a part of our life. It's, it should be something that's compelling, passionate, and important. And we are, we are acting out first. First. Because we practice first instead of going around and, and looking around at everybody to try to find the faults in everyone else. And particularly what Jesus says here is he says, don't put a cumbersome load on others. And he gets more into that in a little bit. Don't essentially put a burden on somebody else that is unnecessary. Don't put on somebody else something that is that is. That you don't have to do. You know, in church world, sometimes, like, if you didn't dress a certain way, you're not allowed to show up. I'm glad that those times have passed. Uh, you know what? I wear jeans, okay? At least I don't wear shorts. That's where I draw the line, okay? <laughs> For me, personally, I'm not putting that cumbersome load on you in the middle of August and September. But, But, like, but, like... You know, there have been days where it's like, if you don't dress the part, you cannot be here. And these kinds of, like, just little cultural traditions and cultural pictures, like, came in and started saying, like, this is the gateway to God, is you have to dress this way or do this this way. How unfortunate. Can you imagine, you know, the people down through the years who have just walked away saying, like, man, I'm... I don't dress like that, so I can't be a part of faith. How terrible, right? How awful and sad is that if people walk away from faith because of something stupid like that. Wow. And that's what Jesus is saying. Don't ever put a cumbersome load on others. He's really preaching directly against religious structures and systems that push people away from God or hinder people's relationship with God. And... And um, it continues in verse 5. He says this. Um, he's directly uh, criticizing those Pharisees and Sadducees when he says, Everything they do is for people, um, is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called. Rabbi, by others. If you don't understand what some of those things are, it's, it's talking about the dress. And some of this is, is Old Testament custom and tradition on how they're supposed to dress. And they obviously took it over the top to, to, to make it uh, just, just something that was excessive and showed their place and showed their status. And they loved to be called by their title, Rabbi. Jesus is getting into stuff that is kind of touchy. Because quite honestly, and that's not the point of what I'm talking about here, but we can we can look through and think about pictures in the church world that Jesus is like kind of picking at a little bit, and saying maybe the big outfits and the big like like productions and things like that might just be getting in the way of authentic faith, and it better not. Because these things. Um, uh, that's not what this is about. That's not what this idea is all for. And then in verse 8, it continues. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father. For you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. These are some scary words that that really are more directed towards people like me than maybe people like you. That it's saying directly, those people that kind of put themselves up and say, I am the authority figure, and I am that person, and I have this title, and all of these things. Be careful. Be really careful about that. The simplicity of the scripture and faith that Jesus brings is he says, this is, this is the simple things that you should do. Number one, practice what you preach. How about that? There's a start. How about this? The greatest among you will be servant of all. How about that? How about you start instead of like titles and dress and all these things and these systems and structures. How about serve one another? Care for one another. Demonstrate to people that, like, no matter who you are or position or what you've done, that you know what you are here to care for and serve others, and that person will be the greatest among you. Wow! And then Jesus says, "Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." Let me just say that there is um, so many so many stern warnings in Scripture for people who put themselves up. Um, uh, in in places that they shouldn't, who exalt themselves. And it's something that is a a great warning for me, but for all of us, that when we talk about God, we should do so with a tone of humility and reverence and respect. When we talk about and we, we speak of God, we should do so saying, God is bigger than me. And I believe these things because God has revealed it to me. Or God has spoken. God has said it. God has shared it through his scripture and shared it with us, has revealed himself to us. So we can speak of God. But whenever we do, we should do so with with a tone that is like, wow, I need to tread lightly here. Wow. This is the God of the universe. This is big stuff. This is beyond me. This is, this, is, this is like the foundations of the universe kind of things. And if I speak in a tone of like arrogance that I got it all figured out and this is it, we better be careful. And this is what happened in this time in this era. The people who were the authority figures and the leaders and the people who were spe- speaking and sharing about God to all the people... They had gotten caught up and entangled with all of this other cultural stuff. All of their own agendas. And what, is ha- what happened here is they were exalting their own message, their own agenda, their own stuff. And Jesus, in the following, the following uh, phrases that we're going to read, he humbles them, is what happens. Because he kind of he takes them to school a little bit. About what is really authentic faith. And he starts to untangle these pictures of religion. So, so like, some of the application for us, just even as we get into it right now, is to first and foremost, make sure we're living out what we say we believe. Practice what we preach. Secondly, be a servant of all. And then, and then lastly, our attitude and attitude should always be humbly approaching and living our life saying, you know what? This is something. It's unbelievable. It's almost unthinkable. But I believe that God has spoken to me and God has shared these things with me. I am grateful and humbled and I'm his servant. Not... Thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord says, this is it. If you don't fall in line, if you don't dress the part, if you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't get faith in religion. There should be a humility. There should always be a humility when approaching and talking about God. And how sad is it that there's been so many times that people and churches have approached these things with such a tone of arrogance... With such a tone of hypocrisy and had no interest whatsoever in serving those people around him, Far from the heart of God. So this is what Jesus gets into next. And we'll do part of this and we'll save part of it for next week. But Jesus goes into these seven woes. And how I put it in our modern day context is I'd say, Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa everybody. Whoa! They're they're coming with their big their big outfits and everything, and say you know walking around and they're 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 strutting their stuff with their rabbi titles and all that. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> like we got we, we 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 got a timeout here. Timeout here. I think he's more like whoa is you, but I, I like the whoa dude. Whoa. <laughs> that that I don't know. That's just me. All right. Anyways, but Jesus is kind of. Uh, over and over in seven ways, giving them a timeout and saying, This needs to stop. We need to pause and we need to stop doing these things. So, the first one is this Jesus' seven woes to, uh, to the teachers of the law and Pharisee. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisee, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So the first one is, he's saying you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven. You shut the door to God. You shut the door and you're kind of the gatekeeper that says, this is, this is how you enter into a relationship with God and this is it. And you keep people away. Let's be really, really clear. The church and faith in God is not a country club. Absolutely not a country club. And if there's ever been pictures of that in your mind that have gotten caught up with like our cultural trends or pictures that like this is the exclusive club that you like enter in and you do this. And then you got kind of this social circle and you've arrived or whatever is that is as far away from Jesus's message as possible. And if there's ever been pictures of that in our culture and society, and there's been many of them, without naming names, uh, that is far from, from Jesus' intent, and it is not, what, it is not authentic faith. So let, let, let's think about this a little bit in the big picture. Let's take, the, like, take a zoom back and think about what the Bible tells us about God. Here's what the Bible tells us about God. Is that, that the God of the universe... Decided to come to earth in human flesh, right? We're getting into Christmas time and we'll talk about the incarnation of God, meaning God coming down and being like us and taking on human flesh and walking among us and living in a poor and simple means and and, and being a human being. So what we have to understand is that Jesus went to extended, extreme lengths to relate to people. You realize that? Jesus went to extreme lengths to reach out to people, to connect with people, and to bring them into a relationship with him. What we understand about the scripture, which is incredibly unique and different from all other pictures of God that are in other faiths, is that the God that we know and believe in is the one that comes to us in human flesh and shows up at our door and reaches out to us. That's what Jesus did. And it's it's an incredible picture. It's an incredible picture that should inform us on how our attitude should be towards other people. Not, you have to go through ridiculous, unbelievable lengths to find me. Jesus did the opposite. He went to ridiculous, unbelievable lengths to reach out to us. And what gets God fired up and angry, where he starts like saying, woe is you is when people like start to be kind of gatekeepers and shut the door to other people from having faith. How scary is that? How dangerous is that? I want you to hear this. If you've experienced times in your life where it just felt like, you know, I'm not welcome or I'm not like, I shouldn't be a part of this. This is for somebody else. I am so, so terribly sorry on behalf of other Christian people that they have got that so terribly wrong. There's been so many people that have done that throughout the years. And if I've ever done that, I, God forgive me. Because this is so far from the heart of what God is really like. And if you've ever seen pictures like that where it's like, you know what? The door is shut to you. God help us. And forgive us. Because Jesus demonstrates clearly above and beyond that A relationship with God is open and He wants you and He wants to reach out, and you are welcome and you're in the right place. If you're seeking and trying to figure this out and are looking for God and are not quite sure, and if it's all like unclear and it's like this stuff seems crazy, I don't know how to dress, I don't know how to sing the songs, I don't know how to do this, I don't know what all the Bible talks about, I don't know any of that, you are in the right place. We're so thankful. That you're here, and that's what the Scripture is telling us. Is that this is what the community of faith should be about. Is everyone should be welcomed, and everyone should be welcome to start walking down that road towards faith. That if you shut the door to the kingdom of heaven in any kind of way, that's a, it's a terrible, hypocr- hypocritical thing to do because there was a moment in time for each and every one of us whether we've been in church circles for a long time or not where we had to also you know kind of kind of take those first steps of faith and we had to like say okay I'm trying to figure this out I'm trying to trying to walk along I'm trying to understand God this is a complicated world and I don't get it all and just take that one little first step And all of us had to have that moment in time in our life. And we should be so sensitive and so aware and so thoughtful about other people around us that are just right there and just just trying to figure out that first little step. And if there's any barrier, anything that is holding them back or making them think this is confusing or wrong, we should say, no, it's okay. Let's focus on these things first. And it's okay. There is a God that does love you. And there is a God. And let's work it out together. And you are welcome and you are you are in the right place. But unfortunately religion sometimes have, has closed the door to the kingdom of heaven and said almost like this is this is a country club. And Jesus has stern words against anyone that would ever do that. And so we need to be very mindful of that personally. And then if there's things in our past that that are holding us back because we're like, what a bunch of garbage that happened to me in my past. Let's just say, let's chalk that up into the category of, this is religious stuff. And that's kind of some of that stuff that Jesus really, really hates. He really hates that. Unfortunately, this is kind of sometimes what people do. Second one. In verse 15. says, Woe of you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and then when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. I like that one. Um, uh, There's some verses that say like a hellion. I'm like, oh, I need to add that to my vocabulary. Um, that is like some old school slams right there. Uh, a hellion. But, but what, Je- what, what is Jesus saying in this one? What is his criticism in this one? He's, what he is saying to them is if you put the structure and culture ahead of faith, then you are um, you're making things miserable. And you're making things you're, – you're totally messing it up. Essentially, it's kind of like this miserable life that we're forcing people into that is not the intent that Christ, uh, Christ had for people. Let me give you this, this little example. And this is something that my Old Testament – or I'm sorry, my New Testament teacher uh, did in the classroom when I was in undergraduate school. And I'm going to do my, my impression of Dr. Michael Thompson. Okay? I'm sure you all know Dr. Michael Thompson, right? Okay, but in order to do that, I think I need to get up here on stage, all right? All right, stand by. Um, so here's, doc- here's my Dr. Michael Thompson impression. But Dr. Michael Thompson used to talk about kind of the over-the-top uh, like structures that the Pharisees and Sadducees would put into place for people to make sure they were following their rules. In the scripture it says, honor the Sabbath. On the seventh day God rested. And essentially, it's giving us a principle that is really key to all of us. They, our life should not be just endless work. We need to have balance and, and, and different things. We need to take a moment of pause. And one of the ways that I think is really helpful for us to follow the Sabbath is doing things like having regular rituals in our life where we pause, reflect, and make sure we're seeking God. So one of a, a great Sabbath practice would be make church a priority every week and pause And make sure that my life isn't just, I'm running, 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 and never reflecting, never stopping, never pausing. And I need to have balance and rest in my life. What a great principle. And the principle is so key in our health, joy, peace, and like all of these things in life that would help us live the life God created us to be. Thank you, God, for these wise words. Right? And this is what this, how the scripture tells it. And Jesus talks about it. He says, you know what? The Sabbath is for people. That's what it's for. It's a gift for you. It's for you to like, understand what, like, what balance in life is all about. But this is what happened. There was uh, people over the years and time took this principle of rest on the Sabbath to this bureaucratic extreme. They made it a religious principle that was so excessive and crazy that, like, it made everything absolutely miserable. So what would happen is, let's say I'm walking along, and I got myself my little mini water bottle from, um, uh, looks like from Sam's Club. And I'm walking along on the Sabbath, and remember, on the Sabbath, I can only take a certain amount of steps. They would count their steps on the Sabbath, because if you took more steps than that, that would that's, that's working. Okay? This is the stuff that they did But if I'm walking along with some water Very refreshing Purified water It's, it's not as good as Nestle's water though um, <laughs> Inside joke I'm walking along I dropped my water It's the Sabbath Guess what I can't pick up my water If I picked up my water right now Guess what I would be doing I'd be working So I can't pick up my water. And this is the kind of stuff that the Pharisees and Sadducees told people. They said, you can't pick that up. So here's what they would do. I can't pick up the water, but what I can do is I can rest. So I can lay down next to my water, and I can rest a little bit. This is so relaxing, everybody. And as I'm down here, oh, look, I got my water in my hand. I'm done resting. I can get back up now and now I can go on with my day and I can go on with my water. This is literally what they would do. I'm gonna get down there, okay. Uh, This is what they would do and how they would teach people about what honoring the Sabbath is all about. Can you imagine it went from being something that was saying like, have some balance in your life, calm down, have some time of reflection and worship, Stop just working seven days a week and never stopping. Have some balance in your life. Recognize that you're limited. Worship God. Pause. Reflect. These things. To I can't pick up a water bottle if I drop it? What in the world? But this is what happens. And this is what Jesus is saying. You go and you make these converts and you work hard and you make them into miserable people. Miserable people. Miserable hellions. That's the term we're going to use. And and you're spreading this. And this is not not it. What I've called you to is an incredible life. A joy-filled life. A life connecting with your creator. And you've made it into this stupid game of picking up water. Having to lay down and do it, and so what happens is when we do this is we're valuing we're valuing uh, culture and structure ahead of faith. Um, never, you, we need to make sure that we are always valuing people over traditions. We're always valuing people over some of these other things that are going on. It continues in Matthew. Twenty three sixteen says this. Woe to you, blind guides. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Another little tradition that they have there. That like, okay, we're going to say a little, I swear on the gold of the temple. Uh, that sounds pretty official, right? Um, you blind fools. So if, if, you've, if you've done any swearing by the gold of the temple... I'm sorry. This is Jesus criticizing you, not me. You're a blind fool. Um, Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift of the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Anyone who swears by the temple swears by it. And anyone uh, who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Here's what Jesus is saying and then in other places in the scripture. He puts it this way to make it really simple. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He just says, he's making a principle. He's saying like, you don't have to say like, I swear by the gold in the temple and the altar. And I put this on this. And like if, you know, all of these things that maybe were customary in that time because they had a high view of like these symbols And these pictures of bureaucracy that they thought these things contained power. What it was is it was a picture of idolatry. What what I mean by that is they are putting up things in place of God. They thought this gold in the temple was kind of like had some mysterious power or authority. And you know what? We may not swear by the temple gold anymore. But we do things like this sometimes. Um, We make material things spiritual things. Have we ever done that? There is a place for um, some sentimentality. There's a place for having something that is valuable and like nostalgic and, and like that is something that is memorable. But superstition in that way is not what God intends in your life. That's not it. If we have like kind of this like this particular like cross or picture or place or something like that that we say like this is what holds special power we're missing it because it's not it's not that thing that contains power it is the god of the universe that lives and dwells uh in us and around us it's the god of the universe that holds power not some like little trinket or toy And it's not some like special place that you walk into a church building and it's like, okay, I better mind myself right now. That's not it. And that's what Jesus says over and over. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Forget about these physical locations and places and things and trinkets. This is not going to save you. You're kind of doing superstitious things that that you're missing the point. Do you understand you're missing the point? And down through the years, there's been been relics and all kinds of stuff that really Jesus is speaking directly against right now. And he's saying these things are not what are going to save you. What's going to save you is a relationship with your creator. Get down on your knees and pray. And it doesn't matter what you're wearing. And humble yourself and you will find God. Not by dressing up and going to a particular place. That's not it. And if you're relying on those things to save you, you're putting idols in the place of God. And your heart is far from God. And you're, 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 not, you're, you're just finding stuff. It's worthless. In the end, we're going we're gonna to stand before God and all of this is going to pass away. That's not it. It's the relationship with the Creator that stands the test of time. And Jesus did, said some things, even, like, in the chapters that just follow this, where, where everybody was looking at this beautiful temple, one of the wonders of the world, one of the, the symbols of, like, faith in the world that was, like, so important to the people. And they were like, look at the temple, Jesus. And he said, it's going to just, it's gonna be destroyed. It's going to go away. And he just kind of tossed that out there. And that's not what is important. And so if we, if we're holding on to things like, hey, you know, there's this one building or there's this one symbol or there's this, there's this, this one thing that that's what I put my faith and trust in. I'm sorry, but like, that's not it. That's not it. Your faith and trust should be in the God of the universe. And you need to humble yourself and say, God, I want a relationship with you, not, not with a trinket or a toy. Because I know that that's, that's not it. And so Jesus looks at these things and he says, you're missing it. How silly would it be if we sacrificed a relationship with the creator of the universe for some like little painting on the wall or something like that? Like that that would bring us peace and it would protect our home. That's, that's not it. That's not, that's not authentic faith. That's not going to help you. What will help you is practicing what you preach. That will help you. You know what will help you? Is if you, if you like, humble yourself. Look to God and, like, <sighs> say, God, I need help. Humble yourself before the creator of the universe and ask him for help. That will help you. That's authentic faith. These other things, it's not. And so maybe over the years and time, and all of us have fallen into some of these categories, we've put our faith and trust in these religious pictures and maybe there's times we've missed God how sad so i i want to encourage you as we move towards our time of communion to make sure that we kind of check ourselves and check our heart and ask ourselves what we're really putting our faith in are we putting our faith in religion Where we put in our faith in God, the God that saves. Will you pray with me? God, so many times it is really hard to untangle and discern the difference between religious pictures and authentic faith. And God, I, oh, it is a challenge. And there's so many things that maybe we grew up with or pictures that we have in our head about what it means to follow you. And God, sometimes we just, we're completely off base. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to just start to unwind and untangle all of this kind of history that that has been created around us. And get back to those simple truths. Authentic faith is humbling ourselves before a creator. Living it out, practicing what we preach. Not exalting ourselves, but doing the exact opposite. God help us. So God, I pray for maybe those people in our neighborhood that would never walk through the doors of these buildings because they think religion is a joke and all those structures are silly God forgive us if we've ever conveyed that to other people God forgive us for sometimes like worrying more about gold or things than you God forgive us if we've ever put a cumbersome load on others God, right now in this moment, what we want to do is we want to just simply and authentically say, God, I want a relationship with you. Help me to cut through all of that other noise and find you. I want to invite you in this moment to offer your own prayers to God. Take, your, take a moment of your by yourself and cut through everything else and cry out to the God of the universe. Say, God, help me. God, show up. God, I, I, I want to figure out a relationship with you. And take one little small step of faith towards what this is all really, really about. If there's other things that have ever gotten in the way of that, just say, God, help me to help me to move past that. Help me to unlearn that. Help me to just help me to know you. And so take a moment right now to just humble yourself before your creator and say, God, I want to know you. And when we do that, it's pretty profound and amazing how our faith can grow, how we can get a new perspective and new help in life. So take a moment to simply seek a relationship with God.